Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia. Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. I am your host, the president of Chickenlandia. I'm a backyard chicken educator here in the lovely Pacific Northwest. Oh, welcome, guys, to episode six. I think it's episode six of season four. Four seasons. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about nesting box probs. (laughs) That's right. Problems. Nesting box problems. Now, I know the days are short right now, and a lot of you are either not getting any eggs at all, or you're just getting a few eggs, if any, um, unless you're supplementing light. But I thought, you know, if we talk about eggs and nesting boxes and all that fun stuff, then it'll, it'll cheer you up a little bit during a time when your chickens aren't laying that much. Or... I know there's a lot of people that are researching right now and they're going to be getting chickens in the spring. So if that's you, I definitely recommend listening to this podcast. I do have a listener question today, so I'm going to be answering that in a little bit. And then I will open up the chat here on YouTube for questions. Uh, I did want to mention something. Uh, Last week, I posted a video about living with a chronic illness and taking care of your chickens. And it was a a little bit different than a lot of my other videos. I told a lot of my personal story um, about how I have some things that I deal with, uh, you know, pain, et cetera, that I deal with and how that's affected me and how keeping chickens has helped me to deal with stuff like that. And so I kind of felt like I felt really vulnerable posting that video and I did it. And the reception I got was absolutely amazing. So many people commented with their own issues. Uh, They shared their own stories. I got, of course, a lot of encouraging comments. It was just one of those videos that it didn't necessarily get like as many views as some of my other. It it got it got pretty good views, but not as as many. It didn't like take off like some of my other videos. But I feel like a lot of people related to it. And I just, you know, I tried, (laughs) I tried to go through all the comments. I did read every single comment, um, but there were so many comments and, you know, it was like, they were like beautiful, long comments. I read them all, but I just could not comment on them all. I couldn't respond to all of them. So I just want you guys to know to everybody that commented to everybody that watched the video, thank you so much. I just love that our little Chickenlandia community is coming together 
and supporting each other. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because re- you guys really touched my heart. You did. So uh, if you want to submit a question to Bok Talk and possibly become chicken famous, you know that's what we all want, that five minutes of chicken fame. <laughs> All you have to do is go to welcome to chickenlandia.com, go to the contact section and click ask a chicken question. And guys, while you're there, there's something I really think you should do. You should join the Chickenlandia Nation mailing list. And I promise you, I am not a spammer. Anybody that's on that list knows that I, I don't send out that many emails. I'm just not I just don't like to do, I don't like it when people do that to me, so I don't like to do it, but you will get a coupon for my online course. It's a super fun, interactive course for beginners and intermediate chicken people. It's called Chickenlandia's Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone, and it's a great way to get access to me and to the Chickenlandia presidential advisor, who is my co-instructor on the course. So, um, and you can go through it at your own pace. It's just I'm really proud of it, and it's a great Christmas gift. Just putting that out there. Great gift. But anyway, I hope to see you there. So before we get into the nesting box drama, and it is drama. It is chicken drama. (laughs) Flock drama. I need to make two announcements because you guys know I got to pay those chicken bills. You know, I got to keep the heat on. It's cold out there. Okay, and these chickens will literally turn the heat off on me if I don't pay their bills. (laughs) All right. So as always, I want to let you guys know that this podcast was brought to you by the folks at My Favorite Chicken. My Favorite Chicken is my favorite online shop to get my chicken feed. I get my scratch and peck feed from there. Non-GMO, organic, socially responsible, all the good stuff. Uh, I get my chicken supplies, some fun chicken treats, and some other f- super fun chicken stuff. They also have like automatic doors. They've got they've got all the things. So I am going to put that link in the show notes. It is myfavoritechicken.com. So go check them out. This podcast was also brought to you by the folks at Small Pet Select. Small Pet Select is a small local company to me. But they have an online store that I know you will love. They have three products that I am using right now. um, And they've probably got some more. I need to go and like look at their website because they probably got some more stuff out right now. Um, They have their organic pine shavings. They've got pet greens, which is like little sprouts to grow out of a bag. They've got flaked oyster shell and like regular oyster shell Um, And my chickens love it. And you can check out these and other products uh, by clicking the link that I'm going to leave for you down in the description and down in the show notes. And just so you know, if you have other little fuzzy critters like uh, chinchillas or (laughs) um, rabbits, you know, bunnies, then you will also love their site because it's like they specialize in small pets. So it's a cute site. And I really like this business. Okay, so let's let's start out with some just some basics regarding nesting boxes because I know that some of you, like I said, some of you are in the process of planning your first flock. and some of you, you might already have your flock and you know, you might just hearing some of these tips might help you to improve upon your setup a little bit. So, um, but I do want to say, you know, nothing, I always say this, nothing in Chickenlandia is absolute, okay? 
the most important thing that I want to remember is that your chickens, they have a safe place to live. They have a safe place to lay their eggs. And chickens are very adaptable. They really, really are. I mean, just think about how long they have lived with us. It's, it's millennia. Like they're a really adaptable animal. So even if you don't have like the optimal setup, um, if it works for you and if it works for your chickens, then I'm always going to say that's okay. All right. Um, but if you can, here's some tips for nesting boxes that it could limit some, some issues in the future. So I think it will be beneficial for you to hear this. So 12 by 12 by 12 inches is a good size for a nesting box. And if you go and buy like a standard nesting box, that's probably going to be the measurements for it. Um, but this is definitely not a hard and fast rule. If you have smaller chickens, you can, you, you know, you can build a smaller nesting box for them. You know, if you have like little ceramas, they might like something a little bit smaller. They'll, they'll lay in a regular size nesting box, but it might be fun to have little smaller nesting boxes for them. This is just a good starting point. Like when you're thinking about sizing for your nesting boxes, especially if you're building them on your own, or if you're looking for something to repurpose, then you can kind of think, well, you know, I kind of want to stay close to this, to these measurements. I would try to have one nesting box per about four or five chickens. Now, this one is kind of funny. And I think somebody in the comments was talking about this earlier <laughs> because it, it seems like it doesn't matter how many nesting boxes you have, there's always going to be the favorite ones or the favorite one. And chickens will get cranky about it. They will want to use the, the same nesting boxes. And inevitably, some chicken is going to go broody and be in the favorite nesting box. And it's just going to like cause this chicken drama. That's totally okay. You know, all, all of those issues are okay. And it's okay if they're choosing, you know, one or two of the nesting boxes. As long as there's not like severe bullying going on, I wouldn't worry about it too much. But it really is better to have more nesting boxes than you think you need than it is to not have enough. If you don't have enough nesting boxes, then you really can run into some issues and you, there'll be eggs everywhere and all this other stuff that you don't want to deal with. So at least one per four or five chickens to hopefully avoid problems and especially of, of like, you know, bullying problems or having chickens laying eggs everywhere. And we're going to talk about that more later. Make sure that your nesting boxes are in as private a place as possible within your coop or within your run if your run is predator-proof at night. Because you don't want to leave, like if, if a chicken lays an egg before she goes to the coop and that egg is in the run, you don't want to leave that out for possible critters to come and look for it. And once they know they can get eggs, they will come back. Okay, so you don't want to leave anything out for snakes or rats or anything like that. So that if if you have a predator proof run, you can have nesting boxes in the run. But you are going to chickens really want a, a quiet, dark place to lay their eggs. So you're going to want to place the next nesting boxes in the darkest, quietest place of the coop that you can manage. Okay, so that they will feel comfortable laying there. And we're going to also talk about this more in a few minutes and why this is so important, okay? Um, 
All right. So here's something that I get a lot of messages about. <laughs> a lot of messages about this. Chickens sleeping in the nesting boxes. And I just want to say, you know, it's normal for, especially for younger chickens, you know, like they're just kind of figuring everything out. So it's normal for them to try and sleep in the nesting boxes when they're figuring out their place in the pecking order, especially if there's other chickens, like older established chickens in the flock, you know, before they learn their, their place on the roost at night, which is like, it's important. It's, it's important because it says something about where they are in the pecking order. So while they're figuring all that out, it is not uncommon for chickens to be sleeping in the nesting boxes. So a lot of folks message me and they're like, you know, my young chickens, they're sleeping on the floor of my coop um, or they're sleeping in the nesting boxes. Or sometimes they're just sleeping outside. Like they don't, they, you don't even know how to get in the coop. <laughs> you can't figure out, oh, I'm supposed to go in the coop at night. Um, and this is just young chickens figuring out their place. Okay. Um, you can always pick them up and place them on the roost. And, you know, eventually they, they should figure it out. If a chicken continues to sleep in the nesting box, then I would just make sure that there's not something else going on. Like, is there illness going on? Is there an injury going on? Um, are they broody? You know, if, if there's some reason why they can't get on the roost or maybe there's not enough room on the roost, maybe you need to add a little bit more room to their roost, that might be why they're sleeping in the nesting box. So rule that stuff out. And then also remember, if they're silkies or they're frizzles, um, they're a lot more likely to sleep on the floor or sleep in the nesting boxes. That's just, I mean, that's just what they do. I, I think they feel entitled to that bed at night. <laughs> Um, but I, I actually think it's because they don't fly very well. You know, silkies and frizzles, they just don't fly as well as other chickens um, with regular feathering. And sometimes it's because they're a little, they might be a little bit colder. Um, and then the other thing is they may be pretty low on the pecking order, especially if you, if you have a mixed flocks and you have some frizzles and some silkies, they might be pretty low on the pecking order. So that might be why they're sleeping in the nesting box. Okay, so... The other reason chickens might want to sleep in the nesting boxes is because of your coop design. So chickens will naturally, I mean, regular chickens, not silkies or frizzles because they can't get up super high, but they will, they will try and find a high place to sleep, like the highest place that, that they can fly to, to sleep in, because that's where they, they feel the safest. And it also says something about where they exist on the pecking order. Um, it's just an, a natural instinct that they have. And it, it's best because of this to try and place your nesting boxes lower than your roosting bars within your coop. Now, and what this will do is it will encourage your chickens to go higher to the roosts rather than sleeping in the nesting box and pooping in the nesting box all night, which is just gets annoying, you know, because the eggs get dirty and you have to clean it and blah, blah, blah. But I will say in my old coop at my other property, I had this cute coop. It was like a, a garden shed that I turned into a coop. Um, or I had a lot of help turning it into a coop. <laughs> the Chicken Landy presidential advisor will tell you. <laughs> I had a lot of help. But um, it was converted into a coop. And just the way it was designed, because it was like 
thinner and it was smaller. Uh, it, w- it was more narrow. I, I just couldn't put, I didn't have anywhere. And oh, and one side was like a full window. Like there was, ho- there's this whole wall that was a window. And so I had very few places that where the nesting boxes could be, could be put. So they had to be put like one on top of each other. And some of them were higher than the roosts. And so inevitably I had chickens that would sleep in them. Um, and it was just one of those things. It was, it was okay. It was a minor inconvenience. You know, I had to deal with a little bit of poop in the nesting boxes. Um, and I just, you know, I'm only mentioning, mentioning this because it does tend to decrease that tendency to sleep in the nesting boxes and, you know, and the frequency that you need to clean your nesting boxes out. It will decrease that. But I didn't mind it because that was what I had. It's what I had to work with. And my chickens absolutely did not mind it. And I also have a bunch of old and special needs chickens, especially last year. I had a lot of really old chickens last year. And I always have special needs birds. So they sleep in the nesting boxes no matter what I do. And I just have decided, you know what, that's okay. Like that's that's just how they get along and that's okay. So, you know, again, I will say do the best that you can, okay? And it'll be fine and your chickens will adapt to it. The main thing is you just want them to be really private and safe, okay? So one more thing before we move on to the the listener question and this kind of goes along with the fact that it doesn't have to be perfect but you know nesting boxes that they, they don't have to be perfect and they don't have to be expensive and they don't have to be fancy okay i have really bougie nesting boxes <laughs> I, do. I do they're from my favorite chicken they are from the netherlands They are like super sturdy plastic nesting boxes that I can like take off the wall and hose down to clean off. Like I really like them. But, you know, you don't have to do that. Like you can repurpose something. I So I have those nesting boxes, but I also have like a dog crate and a little dog crate that I use that my ducks really like. Um, I have, I've used like, an, a little dog house before I've got, I've actually got an, another dog house that the ducks use, um, in the run. So you can use so many things like five gallon buckets on their sides, old, old milk crates, old mail crates. Um, I've seen people use wooden drawers, like <laughs> old wood, like they found like, a, you know, like a dresser on the side of the road that somebody was giving away and they t- took that and they took the drawers and converted them into little nesting boxes. And I've seen people make it really cute too. Like just people that are good at the do-it-yourself stuff and people get creative and it looks great. Um, but even if it doesn't look great, that's okay. All right. Um, I just want you to know that there's so many things you can use as a nesting box. The main thing is that you want it to be, you want it to be the right size. You want it to be big enough. You want it to be private enough. Okay. And you want it to be in a safe place. Okay. So this is going to bring me to my question of the week and it is from Andrea. Hi, Dahlia, AKA Madam President. (laughs) 
I have a random question for you. Well, it turns out it's not really that random. <laughs> it turns out it's a perfect question for this podcast. I have 11 pullets and they all started laying. I supplement light a little because we are in Canada and this time of year we get so few daylight hours. Well, today I noticed I only got one egg. So I went hunting and sure enough, I found five eggs under the coop and two in a dust bath I just made for them in an enclosed cat litter box. Do you have a suggestion on how I can stop this from becoming a habit? We are below freezing every day, so they spend a lot of time under their coop and in their enclosed run with easy access to their coop. Okay, so this is pretty normal. Like I said before, this is pretty normal for new layers. It's, it's not without of like that range of what is normal. They're just getting started laying. So it's common for them to be kind of awkward about it. They can, new layers can sometimes play, lay in odd places. And sometimes they'll even be on the roost at night and they'll just like lay an egg. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> this is happening right now. Um, or they're like, literally like, you'll find an egg like in the yard, like out in the yard, like they were walking along and an egg just fell out, you know? Wouldn't it be great if people could give birth like that, if women could give birth like that? <laughs> but we don't. Um, <laughs> so so there's that. So just keep that in mind, okay? Now, one thing that might be happening is that they are choosing to lay beneath the coop because there is some reason that that area is more attractive to them, laying-wise, Okay, so make sure and check that you're following all the tips that we talked about before. Um, That will lessen their tendency to lay in other places. You know, make sure that your nesting boxes are the right size. Make sure that you have enough nesting boxes for the size of your flock. Make, Make sure, this is probably the most important one, they need to be very private, okay? If, if they're not as private, if you think you need to make them a little bit more private, you can put curtains on the front of them. Like I've actually, I've never had curtains. Actually, my, my nesting boxes right now have little plastic curtains, but if I was going to make some, I think I would use, uh, like a shower curtain. I would cut up a shower curtain and make them out of that because there's, it's so easy to clean and like wipe off. Um, but other people, they use little cotton curtains and it's super cute. Um, I'm just always thinking like, how easy is it to get poop off of this? <laughs> you know, that's where I'm coming from. So you can make curtains for them and put them over the nesting box openings to make it more cozy and dark for them. And hopefully that will entice them to go into the nesting box rather than underneath the coop. But I would look and see like, what is it about underneath the coop that is more attractive to them in terms of laying, okay? Like it's, it's somehow more private to them. The other thing that you can do is put some golf balls in the nesting boxes or some fake eggs. Like they have like ceramic eggs or they have um, like wooden eggs. If you can get your hands on some of those and put them in the nesting boxes, it, that will also help them to remember, okay, this is where I'm supposed to lay. Okay, so hopefully those tips help you 
Andrea, thank you so much for your question. I really appreciate it. And, you know, keep me updated. Let me know how it goes. Okay, I am going to open up the chat for questions. Oh, you know what? One thing I, before I, actually, before I move on, one thing I did want to mention, and I, I forgot, if, if there is a place where they are laying, where you're finding that they prefer that place rather than an easy, accessible place, like their nesting boxes, and you don't want them to lay in the specific area, then you can block that area off or put something there that will make it less attractive to them. So there's this one place uh, under their ramp that goes up, up to the coop where the chickens will lay. And what I have done, I need to do, I need to put more rocks under there, but I, I got like these big rocks and I put them in that spot. And so that made it like not comfortable for them to lay there. Um, I need to put more in there because they're always like sneaking in there and laying in there. But you can put like bricks or rocks or something in that spot to make it less desirable for them. So if there's like a little a little area underneath the coop where they like to lay, just put some big rocks there and hopefully that will deter them from laying there. Oh gosh, Carla. So um, Carla has a question. What's the essential oil or herbal flower remedy um, or flower essence you use for a nervous chicken? I cannot remember off the top of my head what the appropriate... Oh, I actually I do. Okay. So I there are single flower essences that I use. And just let me back up a little bit here. Um, if you don't know what flower essences are, they're basically like homeopathics. They work on an energetic level, but they are for emotions rather than rather than for like a illness, like a home, homeopathics would be. And there's some crossover there. Like you can, there are homeopathics that can help with anxiety and other other types of um, things that are not necessarily considered just completely physical. But uh, for, it, you know, matters of the heart and the mind and the soul, uh, I would reach for flower essences in a lot of cases. So um, they are sold. Bach is really the biggest company in the United States that sells them. And they have one called Rescue Remedy. And I think that's that is what Carla is asking about. So um, generally, when I have a situation where I've got a chicken that is very nervous, maybe they're new to the flock, uh, maybe they've been through, through some trauma, or something's going on that has just made them feel nervous or uncomfortable in their situation, then the first one that I will reach for, if I don't know specifically what uh, individual remedy to use, is a combination uh, remedy called Rescue Remedy. And that's sold by Bach Flower Remedies. You can get it online. I will leave a link to that in the show notes for you guys. And I just love it. They do have a pet kind that you can use. I've used the human kind for my chickens, but uh, the company recommends that you use the pet kind. And the difference is, is that I believe it is made with glycerin instead of, it doesn't have an alcohol base. But if you are dosing correctly, like, there's so little alcohol that your chicken would get that I don't think it would be an issue, but um, most, a lot of people feel more comfortable using the pet kind. So um, yes, uh, rescue remedy. And then I do have a podcast where I talk 
in more detail about flower essences and how to use them, especially in terms of like the pecking order and situations like getting new chickens in and trying to integrate them into your flock and all that. Um, And I talk about individual essences in that podcast, and I will link that for you in the show notes. All right. Sherry says, uh, and this is a very common, a common question that I get during this time of year. My chickens are 25 or around 25 or 26 weeks old, and they are still not laying. Why? So if you get your chickens during a time of year where it just works out that they will reach the point of lay, otherwise known as the point at which they start laying, during during a time of year where the days are shorter, they will likely wait until the days get a little bit longer to start laying. And I I did this like my first flog. I believe I got them in July. I don't know if it was like the beginning of the jo- July or the end of July, but I did not see any eggs until after the winter solstice. So when the days started to get a little bit longer, finally I started to see some eggs and then they were laying like crazy. So don't worry about it. This is very normal. It's just the time of year. Like they've come, they've come into, you know, into maturity during a time of year where the days are getting progressively shorter. So if you don't supplement light, then you will, you will be waiting a little bit until the days get a little bit longer and then you'll be getting lots and lots of eggs. Okay. So I know that's kind of a bummer. People, <laughs> people are like, oh no. And you never know, you might get one that it starts laying, you know, in the winter, like earlier than that, but it's not unusual for them to wait until the days get longer because they just need a certain amount of hours of daylight in order for that ovulation process to do its thing so that they can lay. Okay. So another person, Yesenia says, um, you know, no eggs currently. Should I be worried? No, don't be worried. It's, it's the time of year and it is just the fact that the days are shorter right now. Um, and you know, I, I don't supplement light. Um, but I, you know, I don't have an egg business. I don't like really need the protein right now. It's not like an emergency for, um, my family to have lots of eggs right now. I'm not in that situation, but many people are. So if you need to supplement, like go ahead and do it, you know, like, um, and I do have a, I'll link an article for you about supplementing light in the show notes, just so you can read about that. Um, but the reason I don't do it is I like to give my chickens that break in the winter time. Um, I think it's more natural for them, but if you need the protein, go ahead and do it. Okay. So Peace of My Heart Homestead asks, um, will my hen, will my hen uh, reestablish herself? Oh, will my hen have to reestablish herself in the pecking order when she stops being broody? It depends on the hen, um, but likely she will. You know, sometimes chickens will get very submissive when they are broody and then they have some more you know, reestablishing to do, but it's not like, it's not like when you're first integrating them. Um, it's nothing like that. Like she, she won't need to be removed for the fl- from the flock or anything like that. She'll just, 
she'll just reestablish herself. So sometimes chickens will get very submissive when they're broody. Sometimes they will get dominant when they're broody. And it's a real thing because they're just awful. It's like this hormonal and just, you know, yelling at everybody and running around angry. Uh, I mean, I can relate. <laughs> but um, it really depends on the hen, but I wouldn't worry about her too much. Um, keep an eye on it. If you see like some bullying going on, then you can always, you know, um, follow some, you can, you can listen to that podcast that I'm going to link in the show notes about using flower remedies to help with that. And then there's also a video about bullying and it's just kind of goes into things, different things that you can do to, uh, deal with a hen that is bullying other hens. And it usually involves like removing them from the flock, either, either within their flock, like putting them in a separate area where they can still see their flock or completely removing them from the flock, depending on how severe the bullying is and then reintegrating them back in. And it usually takes them down a notch a little bit so that they, it kind of just quells that bullying behavior. But um, I'll leave those links for you in the show notes. So Robin asks, what is the best material to put in the nesting box? What I really, what I use and I really like are the nesting pads from my favorite chicken. I, I just like them because they are easy to deal with. They last a while. If you keep the poop off of them, they last a while. You know, you can just throw them into your compost bin whenever you're done with them. And they also have, um, aromatic herbs in them. So I love, them. <laughs> you know, I just love, I love that experience. I'm really into, you know, essential oils and nice smells and everything in the coop. So, um, so that's what I use, but you can use shavings, you can use straw, you can use leaves, uh, you know, like dried leaves from your yard. Um, some people use pine needles, you can certainly use a, they, they actually make like reusable uh, nesting pads that are made, they're made out of plastic um, and you can wash them off. So if you're comfortable using that type of plastic um, with your chickens, then you can use those and you just hose them down and then put them back in the nesting box and they're soft. It's like a soft kind of rubbery plastic. The other thing you can do is just use like, old towels and take them out and wash them and then put them back in. Um, and that is like a really sustainable thing that you can do. So there's a lot of options. I don't, I don't really feel like there's a best thing that you can put there. It's just whatever works for you and what works for your chickens. Um, certainly what works for your budget will be the best for you and your chickens. All right. So Topaz asks, how can I help a chicken with a sprained ankle. So I don't know, like obviously the best thing to do if you can, and I know this isn't, not everybody can do this, but if you have a chicken that is injured in such a way as this, the best thing you can do is take them to the, to the vet, you know, do, you know, work with a licensed veterinarian on how they can heal the injury. That being said, chickens are very resilient they can overcome a lot of injuries, you know, even with a fracture or something, they can overcome it and end up just living the rest of their life. They might have a little limp, but they do fine. If I had a chicken um, that had an injured, that had an injury on their leg, 
you know, regardless, I would first certainly remove them from the flock. I would put them in an area where they have easy access to their to feed and to their water and they don't have to walk very far. They can just like chill out in this smaller area and they can stay off of that leg. Like that would be the number one thing that I would do is keep them off the leg. The other thing is you can use the homeopathic arnica and you've probably seen like arnica is very widely used. It's just a homeopathic that a lot of people know about and use. And it is great for bruising, swelling, and pain. Um, It's also good for shock. Just any kind of injury that involves pain, swelling, bruising, I would use arnica. And you can get it in the 30C potency. And for arnica, I would just put it in their water as long as they're drinking. Um, If they're not drinking, then I would think about dosing it. And um, dosing homeopathics is a little bit complicated, so I will leave a link. I'm going to have to remember all these links. (laughs) Sometimes I don't remember them and people are like, where's the link? I will put a link in the show notes about uh, how to dose homeopathics for chickens. Okay, but uh, Arnica is a great one. Um, And hopefully it's something where in a few days the swelling will go down, but they definitely need to be off of it uh, in order to heal. Okay, Uh, so Rebecca asks, I have two young chickens. One has been laying for three months and the other has not. Why? Okay, so... I guess I would find out exactly how old they are. Like, are they the same age? And the other thing I would find out is, is one of these chickens not a hen? Like, is are they a rooster? And sometimes roosters don't start crowing until they get a little bit older. Um, so I would keep my eye on that and see if... <laughs> maybe they might be a rooster at that point, you know, uh, that one has been laying for three months. Um, the other thing, they might be two different breeds. Like there, there might be, you know, one of them is just more, a more prolific layer. Um, and it's just been laying and the other one is going to wait until the days get a little bit longer. That can happen too. Um, So yeah, oh, and one more thing. I would look and see if there might be somewhere where eggs are being laid and you have not found them because that does happen where um, someone is like, my chickens aren't laying. Like, what's going on? My chicken isn't laying. And then they find like a stash of 20 eggs in the the bushes somewhere. (laughs) So make sure you check on that consider that it might be your you have a rooster on your hands um and then other factors like it's a, just a different breed um you know even different chickens of the same breed they might um lay at a different frequency so um all those things are possible okay i hope that helps all right uh what is a pretty bird the pet goose and friends asks Uh, What is your treatment advice for avian pox? Do you have a video on it or personal experience? I don't have any personal experience on it other than the people that have, that I've, you know, that I've talked to about it. Um, I definitely have had people over the years of doing this and I've been teaching about chickens for a long time, 
But I've definitely had people that say, okay, I've got uh, foul pox in my flock and I will talk to them about it. So usually what needs to happen is it just needs to run its course. It's not, it's not great. It's not great to look at, but it's one of those things that, you know, flock will get it. And as long as it remains dry pox, meaning that, so there's two kinds of, of foul pox, dry pox and wet pox. And wet pox is the dangerous one. That's where they can get it like inside their mouth, um, you know, in their nasal passages, it can get very uncomfortable and that can, they can die from that, um, you know, just from secondary infection. And it's very, very uncomfortable. But if it remains dry pox, then you'll see it go through the flock, bring the ones in that you need to bring in, like um, support them, just give them supportive care. You can do the rest method. Like if you see one that's like obviously struggling through this, I would bring them inside, give them a little bit of scrambled egg and some electrolytes and vitamins and put them in a nice warm place where they don't have to try and stay warm. Or if it's hot outside, you put them inside where they don't try and have, they, they don't need to try and stay cool. They can just concentrate on getting better. Um, and they can rest just like anything. Like if, if you're struggling through an illness, you really need to rest. Okay. So I do have what is called the rest method. Um, it's an acronym R E S T. The R stands for remove from flock. The E stands for electrolytes, vitamins, and probiotics, which you can buy, you know, you can make them or you can buy them from the store. The S stands for scrambled egg. And it just means, you know, give your chicken some comfort food, something that's going to be, you know, nutritionally dense for them. And scrambled eggs is just such a good uh, nutritious food for chickens that they will usually not turn down. And then the T stands for temperature control. Okay, and I do have a video about that. If I remember, I will put it in the show notes. So you could do some things for the whole flock, maybe uh, just some immune boosting things, put some uh, thyme and oregano um, in there, in some scrambled eggs, feed that to the whole flock, some garlic, some chop up some raw garlic, put that in some scrambled eggs, feed that to the whole flock. Give them a couple of weeks, vitamins, um, electrolytes and probiotics in their water. You really just want to support them. Um, you can put some, like if you have a essential oil diffuser, and I'm not talking about like the mechanical diffusers. You don't want, you, you don't want, I just, I'm not comfortable recommending that. There are situations where a holistic veterinarian might recommend that, but for me, I'm not a veterinarian, so... Um, I use like a little car diffusers in my coop and they just have like these wooden beads on them. And you will, I will put like a couple drops of thyme, a couple drops of lemon, eucalyptus, something that's supportive and like clearing for them. Lavender is a really good one that kind of calms them down. You're and, and a rescue remedy in their water, like a drop of rescue remedy in their water every day. There's other things that you can do. You know, some people use colloidal silver. Just whatever you can do to support them, support their immunity, support their general health, make sure they're getting really good nutrition and get them through it. Just like if your kids had chicken pox. You know, when I was a kid, I had chicken pox. And, you know, my mom gave me soup and 
helped me to get through it and it was uncomfortable and it looked awful, I'm sure, but I got through it. And your flock will get through it as long as it doesn't turn into wet pox. That's when it gets dangerous. And at that point, I would really consider consulting, you know, a licensed veterinarian for some professional advice because without extra care, they, your chickens will probably not get through that or there's just way less of a chance that they will get through it. But okay, so um, thank you for your question. And I know that there are more questions, but I'm gonna have to gonna have to close it down <laughs> because my kids, you know, some, for some reason they need to eat dinner every night. I don't know. I don't know why. Why? You know, don't can I get a robot to do this for me? But I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you uh, to my moderator and co-producer. Kelsey Paulus, who is also known as the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. Guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, guys and gals, I always say guys, you know, I just mean everybody. Please remember to rate and review it. Like if you are on, what is it Spotify? Spotify is a good one to review it on. I don't think I have any reviews on Spotify. Uh, Apple podcast, I, the more reviews I get, you know, the better it will just get, it will get the podcast in front of more people really helps out the algorithm. And I've got some great reviews there and I'd love to see some more. So if you have a chance and you love this podcast, please take a moment to do that. Um, and give me a thumbs up if you're here on YouTube watching this live. But the main thing I want you guys to remember above everything else is that you Yes, you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.